Welcome to Crypto Talk Radio, the podcast for everyday investors like you. Visit us on the web at CryptoTalkRadio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Thank you for that, Bailey, and welcome everybody out there in Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I've heard people say that too much crypto is never enough for you, baby. You know, Leister can do Barry. Don't get it twisted. Leister can do Barry. Don't make me take my shirt off in here, but Leister can do Barry. Here at CryptoTalkRadio.net, we work to try to entertain. We are an informative source first and foremost, right? But if you're new to the channel, welcome, by the way. Glad to have you here. I'm prefacing because a couple of personal things happened and it got me somewhat excited, somewhat disheartened, somewhat disgusted. And I'm going to break all three down in one fell swoop, which is what happened earlier today. So last week, I got a letter from my place here telling me that they're going to do, quote, an annual, you know, assessment, I guess you can call it. They're going to come, they're going to check out the place. It's an annual review and, and check the place and do all this stuff, right? And I don't like these. I don't like them at all, especially because from my perspective, I just got here. So it feels like we're already doing it premature. That's how I feel about this business. Fine, whatever, get it out the freaking way. So they give a time slot that's basically an hour range. They don't tell you exactly when they're going to show up. They just say, well, sometime between X and X, they don't tell you specifics, right? There's 50 units in this building. So I know they can only be in and out five, 10 minutes at the most. My problem is, the way that this went down. So it, I'm thinking it's somebody from the office. They're just going to check all the appliances, make sure everything's working, make sure everything is fine. There's no issues. That's not what happened, folks. Two guys, never seen them before, not even on the maintenance crew. I think they're contractors. They show up. Okay, There's a tall, somewhat stocky dude, and there's a lanky, short dude. Lanky, short dude goes over here to swap the filter on the HVAC system, the one that I say is very noisy. And I've got it temporarily turned off so that I can talk to you guys. Tall dude literally stands in the kitchen and just looks around the place, writes something down on a pad of paper, and they're out in maybe five minutes flat. That's not an inspection, right? They, they just, all that he was doing was an inventory. And he told me this, but it's like, that's not an inspection. Your letter said you're going to go to every room. You're going to check all the faucets. You're going to check all the appliances. You have access to everything. We should be able to walk around freely. None of that was the case. They didn't go anywhere. I don't mind the fact that you're doing the inventory because you need to know that information from a budget perspective. Sure. But don't lie to me in the freaking letter and tell me you're going to go all over, you know, chaos and creation. Cause I'm not fully moved in here. So I had to scramble to at least box some stuff up and put some, I got some new crates, put those in the closet. Things were good to do like the wiring and all that. The problem is it disrupted my ability to do my work for my endeavor. And so that pissed me off when, when I saw this, cause it's five minutes and you don't know when they're going to show up. So you can't plan. And then he doesn't even go to every freaking room. So that's a waste of my time. Anyway, let's talk some cryptocurrency. Some stuff happened, and I'm going to break all that down here momentarily. Starting at Coindesk.com and zooming out to the month chart for Ethereum. Figured I'd start with Ethereum. It had a little bit more volatility than most. A bottom of 1760, a high of 1860. Somewhat of a slight run up as I record this up to about 1787. Um, balanced at 1803 and then starting to dip slightly everywhere down. People were wondering what had happened before I broke down what was going on with the whole cycle. Well, chaos that happened with the uh, Bitcoin ETF. Uh, very recently, though, a bunch of meme coins. And of course, the meme coins are paired to Ethereum. Meme coins had a bunch of FOMO buying in. 
that caused a run-up. Pepe, of course, they got into the billions of dollars, had a major run-up. That helped trigger some of the price movement that we currently see with Ethereum. And if you're new to the channel, by the way, welcome. I want to break down total market cap across all cryptocurrency. The reason this metric is very important is because it gives us a sense of the strength of the current state of money invested in cryptocurrency. Literally how much money is flowing through cryptocurrency as of this point. This was as low as I believe, I believe it breached the bottom of the $1 trillion. Currently trending up to $1.27 trillion when it was starting to go down. So we're talking the beginning of the bear. We got to about $1.22 trillion. And so it started dripping, 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 dripping. And now a bunch of money started flowing back into cryptocurrency, distributed largely around Bitcoin and to a lesser degree, these altcoins, which then caused a run up on Ethereum because of virtue of the liquidity pairs. Bitcoin got the lion's share of it, largely spurred by the whole, buy the rumor, sell the news around the Bitcoin ETF, which turned out to be fake. At least people believed, hey, it's it's on the site and then it's gone. Doo, doo. And then it came back, right? So it came back to the site but we didn't see the mass run up again. And that's because people aren't sure what to think. Meanwhile, you got Elizabeth Warren off to the side. I'll talk about that in a second. Gary Gensler off to the side. I'll talk about that to a second. And many other factors, negative sentiment things that have caused harm to what we see. As a result, and I tenfolded, I said, I believe this is strategic. I think it's like a halting in a way. They're halting volatility by doing these things that are clearly manipulating the price movement. That's me. I'm making a statement of my opinion about what I clearly see, because I can't think of another reason why I would be seeing what I'm seeing. Let's go down the line then. Number one, top of the list, Poof Hair, a.k.a. Sam Bankman-Fried. Of course, he's going through the court case right now. He made a statement that made some people laugh a little bit. Basically, he said, so I got to tell a little bit of the story. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this idiot, but I got to tell a little bit of the story. He did an interview with a news outlet, and then the news outlet did a great job of simplifying down what was really happening here. In summary, and I am oversimplifying it, so don't come at me. I'm oversimplifying this down to core. So you have FTX, the exchange, right? You have Alameda Research. You have all of these different things. There's a hedge fund in the middle of this chaos. What was apparently happening was FTX was using... Funds, in other words, money that you to put in, so people's funds, actual customer funds, using it, placing it into a hedge fund to reinvest in other places. In some cases, some of this money funneled to Alameda for a different reason. The point is, the hedge fund is the key central point of the claims made by the prosecution here that in the middle of this, essentially, it's like, in a way, I don't want to say Ponzi scheme because it's not really, and it's not really a pyramid scheme. I don't even know how to classify this one, but there's so many layers to how the money was being used to do something. But what he said in this was, quote, I believed it was permissible to borrow from assets held as collateral for margin positions. This was in response to a question. Now, the reason this is significant is when your assets, you buy cryptocurrency, right? And you, you put them in, that's a straight up trade. It's whatever. I'm just buying cryptocurrency. I'm giving you some money and you give me some cryptocurrencies. That's a straight up trade, right? What he's referring to is a assets that are held as collateral for a margin position. 
So let's let's give some rough numbers that don't mean anything, but let's use USDT because it's the easiest, simplest as a stable coin, and it's the most common that I see. As USDT, so you have, let's say, 1,000 USDT, and you want to basically do a margin trade. So in a margin trade, you're saying, I only got 1,000, but I want to get more. I want to get 5,000, so I need 4,000 more because I'm going to buy into this asset over here with it using the larger share with the expectation of a return, and then I'll pay it back. In the gross simplest form, that's a that's that kind of a trade. And the thousand you put in is collateral. It's saying, you, you know, you got to make this whole, right? And any other, basically they put a whole bunch of holds and locks and all these others. There's other complexities behind this. The point is that the thousand becomes collateral for this. What he's saying is that the money that you would have put in, the money you would have gave them, he took it and he did other stuff with it. Well, this is even worse because you're talking a double dip. You're talking your money that you put in, you lent it to him. When I say him, I mean the exchange. You lent it to him. You can borrow it in exchange for this loan because it's collateral. The analogy, the best analogy I can give you, you can put up, if you have the title for your car, and I know that today, if you bought a car recently, obviously you don't have the title because they're overpriced. But in back in my day, you know, you'd have the title to your car and you could use that to get a collateral loan. So you would go down to one of these sketchy businesses and you would say, I need a loan and I want to use my car as collateral, which in most cases would skip the credit check need. And it would at least expedite your approval because it's backed. Your asset has a value in terms of an equity. It has an equity to it. And the loan can be taken as a portion of that equity, usually about an 80, whatever the loan to value is, but usually about an 80%-ish. So let's, for round numbers, let's say that your your beater is valued at about 10,000 bucks. This place will probably give you about $7,500, 8,000 plus a 500 share or something. But imagine if this happened, right, where you gave your title to this company and you said, yes, I'm doing this for the collateral loan. Da, 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 da. And this company turned around and tried to sell your car or loan it to somebody else. Theoretically, they could if they hold the title because the title is essentially equivalent to cash in most places. If you have the title to a vehicle, you essentially can sign it to yourself. Nothing would stop it. They've since shored up some of that to where the owner would have to sign on a line. Some of these sketchy places will actually make you do that. You shouldn't, but some will make you do that. So if you signed, basically you're signing over the car to whoever then holds that title, which is very bad business. Some have gone to the extreme of actually telling them, telling you you have to sign the car over to them completely, which is terrible. Don't do this. The point is, imagine if they took that title and they turned around and they sold your car or they traded your car while you still had the loan outstanding over here and you hadn't paid it back, right? You go back down there, you're about to make a payment, and they're like, yep, I traded your car off for this other beater over here. Do, do, do. You'd be like, are you, are you nuts? You didn't, No, you can't. Well, yeah, I can. That's, that's what he's describing here is he didn't realize that he was not allowed to borrow from that pool of assets that were provided to him as collateral for other crap. It's like, it's not free money. You're, you're essentially holding it in a reserve. It's almost like an escrow situation. You're being entrusted with the assets in exchange for the loan. It's not for you to freely sell or trade or do shit with. 
That's, that's not the way it works. So let's take a, a CD, a certificate of deposit at a bank. With a certificate of deposit at a bank, the bank is actually using your money to make loans. They actually tell you this. The return on this is that your funds are insured by FDIC in the United States. So it's different. And you're getting interest on it. In the margin situation, you might get interest depending on the exchange, but then you might not. And the interest doesn't matter as much as the risk you lose your money. Where again, the bank is mitigated because you have the FDIC insurance backing it. The bank and the bank is heavily regulated. The bank can't just go willy nilly. This understanding about the depository is a different understanding. You are telling the bank, I am, I want you to hang on to my money for five years. You're going to pay me some pissant amount of money. And I know that you as a bank are making loans off of the money with the expectation of giving it back. But at the end of the day, I'm going to get my money back because I'm insured. I'm covered. Crypto has no such. So that's, so it's almost like a trap. If you think about it, if the SEC wanted to go after this situation and the courts want to go after this situation, they absolutely could because there's nothing that protects you, the trader, when this happens, when they go off and they're reusing your money, there's nothing that protects you as the trader. You have no, you have no safety net and there's no regulations to protect your assets. What the courts are trying to do is apply the regulatory standard around the loss of money because of what he did, which may or may not fly. I suspect because of, you know, Ellison over there crying and whatnot that they'll side and throw the book at the dude. But, you know, I don't think very much is going to come of this. That's my personal opinion. I could get that wrong. But I figured with him saying he didn't know, I said before when I covered him on interviews, he knows what he's saying. And I think he's saying it on purpose. He's saying it because he knew at the end of the day, you know what, I screwed the pooch, but I know how to get out of this situation. I'm just speculating on that one. Gary Gensler recently came out talking about the current applications that are in play for Bitcoin ETFs. There are a total of eight, roughly about eight or nine-ish applications for Bitcoin exchange-traded products. That's ETFs. Outstanding. This is, I'm paraphrasing what Gensler is saying. So this is not coming from me, this is coming from him. But basically these are pending outstanding. Apparently there's more applications than the ones that are being reviewed. So there's ones that, are sitting off on the sidelines. The one that's most notable is the grayscale one. This is the one that caused the recent pump and dump with the cycle well that's not even on their radar for review of this business. Now, he says that, you know, we're looking at these and they might go to the commissions. I'm not going to make any commitments. There's different timelines on these things and we'll have to look and see what's going on. Now, the Review period for this ends on January 10th of 2024. They've got to make a, they're committed to making a decision by 2024. Now, listen to what I just said to you. They're committed to making a decision. Their comment period basically ends on January 10th. Okay. They have to reject or approve the application by the January 10th, 2024. When did I say I believe the bull run happens? 2024. You know why? Because it's entirely possible and plausible and probable that they drag their feet until the very last minute. Because they can. Because they have. Because there's no incentive not to. It buys more time for them to put things in place that make cryptocurrency harder to deal with. So I do think there's a strong probability on this business that they're going to drag their feet and then wait till the last minute. And then all of a sudden, yep, it's a doop, doop, 
Dude, that's 2024. And if there's leaks, so leaks of information, it could be they say, you know what? Hey, we know it's coming. We know it's approved. So we're going to leak this and buy the rumor, sell the news, triggers in and FOMO runs up. It's, it's entirely possible. I can't say for sure. I don't know. Some bearish sentiment was triggered due to Elizabeth Warren and statements she made around the whole Hamas situation in Israel. Now, I've got two, there's two points on this business. And I'm not going to give a side. I, I refuse. But here's the thing. <laughs> Are, when, okay, when Congress does crap like this, they're an embarrassment to the business. And when I say the business, I mean the business of humanity, right? They're, they're an embarrassment to the business. One thing I've learned when I was coming up and I was a little young and coming up in the workspace, workspace it's like you, accountability is vital and you have to be held accountable when you fuck up. True, straight, straight. That's, that's what it is. You have to be held accountable. You cannot just do the wrong thing. But with our government, it's different. With our government, they can screw up over and over again and they get a pass. Now, this would never fly in the Nixon administration. In the Nixon administration, they went after that dude until he was out. And yes, it took a lot to get him the hell out. But, I mean, come on. They went after him. Now, it's just like, yeah, whatever, do 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 The Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden thing, yeah, whatever, do 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 AOC violates standards with address, yeah, whatever, do 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 And now this business... So what happened if you don't follow the news, and I celebrate you if you're like that, but what happened is Elizabeth Warren made a claim based on a source called Elliptic, which is a data source, made a claim that there's an excessive amount of cryptocurrency used to fund these, uh, these terrorists, Hamas. So the problem is that the data source came out and said you're misrepresenting, misinterpreting the information, what you're saying is not what we said, and it's wrong. Well, it turns out that the the actual person who did the legwork on this came out in defense of Elizabeth Warren and quoted and stated specific words in what they wrote, all targeted, and the fallacy and the reason I'm talking about it, the fallacy is that clearly this person cherry-picked what supported his narrative. That's what he did. Okay, so this came from the this different article, and the article made the statement, quote, Israel orders seizure of crypto wallets worth $94 million linked to Palestinian Islamic Jihad. That statement right there is not the complete statement. That's not the complete, that's not the statement in its completion. The, the statement that he trimmed off here is He's cherry picking because what he's saying, he all he does is focus on crypto wallets worth $94 million, right? He takes the numbers, he takes the data, and he applies it to a graph that and it's titled, the graph is titled, quote, number and value of crypto transactions received by wallets linked to Palestinian Islamic Jihad by the NBCTF. So ultimately he is hanging his hat on crypto wallets linked to Palestinian Islamic Jihad. The problem is, if you read the blog and you read the whole statement, this is where this idiot exposed himself, got caught with his pants down, vastly off the side, 
and Elizabeth Warren walking out the door with a with something you know strapped on her. Because here's the thing. If you read the blog, there's another sentence right beneath it that straight says, and I'll go, I'll even go to the blog so I can directly quote this business. Quote, combine the 26 disclosed wallets have received over $93.7 million in Tether, USD coin, and Tron. Since the order also involves crypto exchange wallets, it is not clear exactly how much of these funds belong directly to the PIJ. That second sentence right there. Context matters, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children over the ages of 16. Context matters. This dude completely eliminated that sentence from his follow-on defending his faulty coverage because he's spinning a narrative. He's exposing himself. Again, I'm sure Elizabeth Warren is creeping out the door with something strapped on and he's got Vaseline nearby because he exposed himself. That second line is critical. The analysis never made an assertion with respect to what is owned or not owned by, in this case, Palestinian Islamic Jihad. They said there's a total number of wallets involved in this business. The wallets have this makeup of tokens, right? But there are some that are crypto exchange wallets. When it's a crypto exchange, you can't assert for certainty who it is that's doing the transaction. So it's a fallacy to make that claim. In some cases, it might get you arrested depending on who it is. You can't just say, oh, it's got to be, do, do. no, you can't say that. This guy can't say that. He's doing that because he's trying to spin a narrative to get clicks. His clicks are, no, it's linked to Hamas. There's a link that's, that's, it's not a, it's not a true link though, right? It's not confirmation of an association and certainly not the strength that you're trying to apply to it with faulty numbers and faulty metrics by eliminating the one line that completely disqualifies your narrative. This is a causal problem, right? You, you know, if you get into an accident right now in your car, you, somebody runs into you at a stop, four-way stop. Somebody runs into you. You can't say that person was definitively texting. You can think they were, but until an investigation is done, you can't say they were texting. Chances are they were. You can't prove it. So it's fine to say they were likely texting. I'll give an example. When I had a house out in uh, Washington State back in uh, 2014, and I set up camera. This is a massive freaking house. It was so large, I couldn't see the front door from the upstairs. So I built, I put cameras all over the place so I could just monitor and keep eyes on things and to train to the front so I could see cars approaching and somebody at the front door. All of a sudden, I hear this, like a loud, just loud. I go and look, and I see... So this, this house is, it's a one lane street and it's on an incline and there's this truck and it's, it's clearly rented the back of this other something. I can't see the other something from where I'm at. So I go outside and I see that this other truck is all jacked up on the back and it's in my neighbor's driveway and it's smashed into the garage um, pedestal, the stone. And so this guy's smashed on two sides. Meanwhile, this, it's an SUV. In the back, it's all crashed in the front. Fat gal, right? Police shows up. Everybody, you know, traffic's to a halt. It's a single lane, so nobody can go anywhere. You can go around, but it's a long way. Police finally shows up. They're interviewing both sides. I'm just kind of listening. Fat girl's like, yeah, you just stopped. I don't know what happened. Do, do, do. <laughs> so I get an alert on my uh, device because at the time, I was fine with mobile devices. 
So I get an alert and I check it. It's my security camera, drop cam, who died a sad death, drop cam. It had recorded the whole interaction. It recorded because I had continuous stream recording. It had recorded the actual accident. So I told the cop, looks like I might have footage of this business. So I go and I get the snippet. This chick, she literally, so the guy, he was the maintenance guy for my neighbor, elderly neighbor. It's a widow. And so he was going to do something there. So he slowed down because he was about to turn to the driveway and she just barreled right into the back of this guy. And he knew he didn't want to hit the, the person in front of him. So he veered to hit her home. I, I can't, it was like a lose-lose situation with this, right? But the, the SUV, this the fat chick's car, the SUV, barrels right in the back of it and then just goes back a little bit and then stops. And, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, I got the clip here. And cop's like, can I get a copy of that? Deep, deep, so sure. And I said, I can almost guarantee, I can't say for sure because it's hard to tell on this, but I can almost guarantee she was texting because one, it's a single lane deal. Two, if you look at her speed, there's no reason she should be going that fast uphill. <laughs> no attempt made to stop. Cause she had said that she tried to stop and she couldn't stop in time. That was a lie. She never made any attempt to stop. She just lied. I don't blame her because she's probably gonna lose her car. But the point is she made no attempt to stop. I saw that. And because she made no attempt to stop, She'd have to be an idiot, so she wouldn't willingly barrel into the back of this guy. That means she couldn't have been paying attention. Well, what else are you paying attention to? It couldn't have been something on the street because there's nothing to pay attention to for that long. The only answer is you're messing with the radio, which is possible, right? Or you're texting on your phone. So I made a conclusion drawn from the data that I saw. I couldn't prove it, and I'm sure that forensics can look at that video and make the, they see, okay, yep, she was on the phone. I don't know. Point is, I made a conclusion that I couldn't prove. That's the case here. This guy is making a conclusion he can't prove and he's running with it and making himself look like a jackass. And then, of course, our Congress takes the faulty data and they run with it to push their narrative, which just hurts cryptocurrency, which is why you don't do that. So all I'm saying is it's not true or accurate or fair to say that this is or, you know, that this is the thing because it's not. It's not. We don't know for sure. How much is going through Hamas? We don't know what's happening. We know cryptocurrency is somehow involved, but we don't know what to degree. There's no way to really understand what's going to happen there. I've got one more update, and it's really a two-parter because it's related. They're two related things. I have said on multiple episodes that I think that the killer app for cryptocurrency is gaming, and I believe that ignoring gaming is to our detriment. I think... If we can get people to understand the power of gaming and cryptocurrency, it causes a spike in both. Now, it's assuming that we get back on track with games because most of them suck these days. But you know what I'm saying? If it's a good game, not the crap that's there. I'm talking the mainstream games. Are all, they all suck these days. I'm talking games where they're not afraid. They don't censor the work. That you don't have social justice warriors on the translator staff cutting off things they don't like. It's like let the... Vision of whatever it is, be whatever it is. Stop editing, stop censoring, stop, you know, and just let it be. Que sera. If we do that and we pair that with cryptocurrency, and not just for online games, you know, you could use it for offline games too. There's tons of ways to do that. I think both would go on a major run. I have maintained this. I think it is the killer app that nobody's really talking about. I think GameStop was too stupid to really exploit it. But I maintain, I think gaming is the killer app that nobody's talked about. Well, guess what? People are starting to talk about it now. 
finally, after you, your boy Leicester at CryptoTalkRadio.net has been hammering it from us. Opinion piece. And I'll quote this. This came from, this came from uh, Consensus Magazine. Quote, Game developers should stop worrying about Web3's friction and think more about many true benefits that blockchain can bring. Fancy that. So, this came, there's a columnist, they were doing some analysis, and they were saying, games on the crypto side are starting to look closer and closer to the mainstream game. There are some fallbacks to trying to do it now, because as we saw with that sunflower garbage, most blockchains can't handle the full throttle of online gaming. You're never going to get like a Final Fantasy 14 on a blockchain. I'm sorry, that's never going to happen. But I argue that you can do certain offline single-player games using blockchain technology. You might ask yourself, what's the value of doing this? Remember that games at their core still have to note and document and calculate and do all the things that a blockchain can do, irrespective of them being offline. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a game. You still have to track things like location of treasure chests, right? You still have to track things like coordinates. You still have to track things like axes. You still have to track things like rewards. You still have to track things like towns, NPCs, and all these different things that are essentially just algorithms that are calculating. And you have to duly note things like scores, things like, you know, health, things like magic points. And there's all sorts of data. There's thousands and thousands of points of information that blockchain could help facilitate, if nothing else, even on the single-player side that nobody's ever leveraged. Now, most of the games that we have today on, you know, like Axie Infinity or the Unicorns, and I mean, they're fine, but they're not going to catch me for the long haul. If you could think back to that Pokemon Go garbage, could you imagine if that was using cryptocurrency at the time it was at its peak? And people were walking around like zombies on their phone with AR in the public. Could you imagine how crypto would have spiked if that truly was a thing that was thought of? It wasn't. But just think about it. Think about how huge that might have been at the time. And that's what I'm talking about is there could have been something huge and nobody is really leveraging that. Like I think that they should, in my opinion. And it's not just my opinion because... A new altcoin announced a, a relationship with Amazon Prime Gaming, which is one of the gaming outlets out there. I think it's garbage, but apparently a lot of people are into this. Wax, Wax P is the project and associated with this, and the project is called Brawlers, is the game. This, just to put in perspective what I've been saying, this caused a significant run-up. It literally dropped to zero. So immediately dropped to zero off this business. Now, I'm trying to tell you, this crypto has been around for ages and it didn't do anything. It just kind of sat there and was on its dying last legs and all of a sudden pumped out of nowhere with this. So I'm saying it's like, dude, you don't understand if we get like, I think gaming is that killer app that we've needed. And if we go there, we might start seeing some runs of cryptocurrency. We got to get brave enough to do it. And we're not there yet, but I think we're getting there. I think people are starting to understand. At least I hope so. In closing, I will say I maintain 2024. And time will tell if I get it wrong, but I maintain 2024. I don't think we're going to be able to sustain even if we do get these pump periods. So I will repeat, and it's a recommendation. I can't tell you to do it your money. I'm going to repeat my recommendation. 
to take profits. If there's opportunities to do so, take profits. Because I don't believe until at least 2024 that we will see any sort of sustained run. I believe any pumps we have are temporary and fleeting, although, again, opportunities for profit are abound, and I would recommend you take them because you can always sit them on the sidelines and wait things out. And then remember, if I'm right, right, and we get to 2024, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's, it's a groundswell. It's waiting to explode. Just the recent run of a Pepe alone tells you it's a groundswell and it's poised, primed to explode with all the happenings and all the other stuff that's out there. I can only imagine what the level of run-up is going to be. This, for me, is a, is a key moment, and I'm somewhat excited because, as I've said, I don't trade cryptocurrency because I'm trying to get rich. That's not my motivation. I buy cryptocurrencies every now and then, and I kind of watch them because some of my fave five have even failed me, right? Everrise is starting to screw up. I don't know what the heck's going on there. I got other people now finally catching up to my mindset. They're like, what the hell's going on with Everrise? I don't know. I have no freaking idea. <laughs> Angie essentially was a rug pull with that idiot who sold it to some other joker over there. Parabolic got, basically they got hacked and then they went to a different project, which I thought was a mistake because the hack, the hack was not good, but the, them going to a completely different project, I thought was just terrible. So even my fave five couldn't sustain in the bear. They couldn't hang. And it's unfortunate. It's, it's unfortunate. And as a result, I simply just trade here and there on pieces and say, okay, I'll just do this and do this and do this. As I said, I have a pretty large stake of bone. I wouldn't call, I'm not a whale, but it's a pretty large stake to the point I could take profits every time it rises a penny. It's enough. But way back when we had the previous bull run, I didn't have nearly as much money to my name. Hardly at all. I had some money, but the problem, the thing that was holding me back back then, I didn't have nearly as much as I do now. And part of that was because I was fresh off of the closing down my business that I had, the one business that I had when the pandemic started to hit. And then I had the, my clients were acting stupid and so I had to cut them off. So then that cut off my stream of money and I used the rest of what I had to hire some kids from, high, from uh, college. I don't regret that decision, but it cut into the money I would have had. If I had not hired those two kids, I'd be a millionaire by now. But I learned a lot of these projects they're no matter what they do, they can't hang in a bear market. If you notice, many of the ones we were talking about couldn't hang in the bear market. There are still some, but the vast majority are gone. They're long gone. And then new ones came up and they didn't last hardly any time. And even the various YouTubers that used to do, used to cover all these new tokens every time you turn around, they've shifted. They've gone to more level-headed coverage. If you notice, They've, they've basically have emulated what I was already doing in terms of, and then taking it to and adding technical analysis, but they're more level-headed. They might talk about a project like I might do, but nowhere near to the degree that they used to. Well, how can you explain that? And then many of the vo voices that you saw before are gone. How can you explain that? Because none of these were built to sustain in the bear market. And many of those either adapted, as in they shifted their gear, or they just went silent because there's nothing to talk about, right? If, and some didn't adapt at all. Some are just still doing the pump and dump stuff just off to the side. They're not, they're, they're telling people to get into the stuff, you know, and that's their business. I can't tell them not to do it. I will say though, this, and I predicted this back uh, late last year, this was the, this was the evidence. This was the proof. This was the means test of 
who was going to be able to survive in a bear market for this long and flush out the garbage. And the longer we can go flushing out the garbage, the better we are. I'm going to, as a final point, I'm going to, now that I think about it, I'm going to do a YouTube video if you're interested talking about the Fave Five and what happened to them. So I think it's important that I address that because I'm pretty sure I know for a fact three of them are dead, which is bad because they were some of the strongest I saw. And I know for a fact three are dead and I got to revisit on the other two and see where they are. Chances are they're dead too. And then I got to figure out what my new Fave Five is going to be. And then I'm going to do weekly on the new Fave Five because I'm pretty sure this Fave Five is not going to die like the previous Fave Five.